want to share a few thoughts with you tonight. And this is uh, not an alliterated sermon. It doesn't have three points in a poem, uh, as a lot of, a lot of sermons do. Uh, but uh, just some truth from God's Word that hopefully will encourage and challenge our hearts tonight. I want to begin reading in verse number 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 15. And Paul is nearing the end of his ministry at this point, and he um, has certainly been through some difficult times. He's finishing up this first letter to the church in Corinth. And he, began, he ends his letter by saying, I beseech you, brethren, and boy, this is a phrase we see quite often from the Apostle Paul of, uh, with strong emotion, uh, asking, imploring, if you will, uh, the people of the church. And so he, he doesn't say this, uh, you know, we have uh, terms of phrases that we use and, and uh, figures of speech that we use, and sometimes we throw them out carelessly and, and uh, without really thinking of the depth of the meaning of our words. And yet, when Paul brings this phrase out in his writings, what he's trying to get across is, I'm not just saying this. He's trying to get across the fact that uh, this is important. This is not something I'm just saying off the top of my head. I'm not just uh, giving you my, uh, my salutation and signing off here. He's trying to say to the folks, listen, I've got one last thing to to ask you about, and I want you to sit up and pay attention and listen to it. And so he starts in verse 15 by saying, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth, I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus for that which was lacking on your part. They have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. And Paul is, is uh, pointing out a group of people, if you will. As he gets to the end of this letter, he's referring to people that obviously the church in Corinth knew. And um, he, he, he sets them apart as a group of folks that are to be distinguished from the regular members, if you will, or the others that are found in the church of Corinth. Now, suffice to say this, and, and hopefully we all understand and know this, the church at Corinth had a lot of problems. There were a lot of what we would call carnal Christians in the church at Corinth. And so uh, we're, we're not trying to say that these folks are, uh, are more spiritual or any uh, higher up. These aren't people that are looking down their noses. But there is something about them that characterizes them. And the, the Apostle Paul actually brings it out in this passage. As he says in verse number 15, in the last part of that verse, he refers to Stephanus and Achaia uh, as those that have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but uh, the, the Christian life can have a few bumps and scrapes along the way, can't it? Uh, it it's not all roses. It's not a bed of uh, roses. Everything just, uh, just fine and dandy and never a problem or a care. I was uh, doing some studying this week, and it's amazing how often... That Christ says 
that uh, you're blessed when men shall revile you. And Matthew chapter 5 is reading some of that this week. Um, and he said, blessed are you when men shall revile you and uh, speak uh, evil things against you. I can't quote it exactly verbatim, but along those lines. And yet he says, if a man speaks uh, well of you, he said, he's, you can rest assured, he's not uh, your friend. He's your enemy. He's not... Uh, uh, and so uh, there certainly comes persecution in the Christian life. There comes, uh, and it comes from those that are without. Uh, it comes from those that are lost, that don't understand the truth of God's Word. They, don't, they, they look at the Christians and they ridicule and criticize. And can I say this tonight, that there is enough uh, of, the, of the persecution, if you will, enough of the discouragement that comes from those that are lost in the world for Christians to be doing it to one another. And the idea that Christians ought never be in the place of, uh, of causing harm or strife or discord among the brethren. I'm thankful we have a church that, uh, at least in the first year or so of pastoring here, I've not had to deal with that subject or that, that problem in our church. And I'm thankful that we have folks here that love one another. And even when maybe they don't see everything eye to eye, they still love each other and care for one another and, and get along with each other. But Paul was mentioning two fellows here in particular, and he says, these are they which have addicted themselves. And I, when I think of the word addicting, I think of uh, the fact that you just get to a place of doing something where you don't think about it, uh, and, and you really can't help but do it. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that it would take an effort to stop doing. Uh, it just became part of who they were. They would addict themselves to the, the word here used is ministry of the saints. Uh, to to uh, administer that which is lacking. It, it, this would be a person who sees a need and says, I, I want to do everything I can to help with it. Uh, years ago, I walked into uh, a, uh, the uh, cafeteria in our Christian school that we had down in Florida. And uh, one of the folks in there, trying to be funny had uh, put a little sign up on the ice machine and it said lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part and i looked at it and i chuckled and i laughed i'd seen it before and i i got to thinking about that later in the day and i thought you know but that's not a real christian attitude to have is it uh if my brother has a need whether he failed to plan or not is completely beside the point if they have a need, I ought to be willing to do everything in my power to help it. This is what these guys did. They addicted themselves. It became part of who they were. It became the natural thing to look for needs among the saints and to meet the needs. To, to roll their sleeves up and say, uh, let, let's do this together. Let me help shoulder that burden. Let me help care for that burden. It's interesting to me as he goes on to say in verse number 16, he's giving instruction using these two men as an example to the church. He now gives the instruction that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write, and that is this, that ye submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. We are to be looking for those that are ministering to the saints, and we are to minister to them. Uh, you know what the Bible's trying to teach here is 
as, as one family in, in, in God's family, if you will, brothers and sisters in Christ, we're, we're to look for needs in each other's lives and help with them. That goes contrary to what the world teaches. The world teaches, hey, I, I get all you can. If somebody will give it to you, take it, you know. Get all you can. Don't, don't ever give, but take all you can. Can I tell you this tonight? We have some brothers and sisters in this room, in our church, and in our membership that are precious, precious people. Some of them have given themselves to the ministry of the saints. Others uh, have gone about and made it their ministry to edify and to encourage and to strengthen one another. And we ought to be doing this because the world is doing everything it can to tear each other down. The world's trying to cause Christians to fall by the wayside, and Satan would love nothing better than for a Christian to get discouraged in the ministry and to throw his hands up and say, I'm through serving God. Now, they may be saved and they may still get to heaven, but every time a Christian gets to the point where the burdens are too great and they, and they throw their hands up and say, I'm through with it all, I'm done, I'm not, if I'm going to serve God and go through all of this, it's just not worth it. I believe Satan sits back and laughs and laughs and laughs because he's won another victory. And God tells us through the Apostle Paul's writing here that there's a group of people that give themselves, in fact he uses the word addicts themselves, they are addicted to the ministry of the saints. In verse number 17 he says, I am glad for the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. And then I want you to see this. For they have refreshed my spirit. You ever get to the point where you're discouraged? <laughs> That's kind of a rhetorical question, isn't it? We all know that. Everybody gets to a point of discouragement in life. My dad, my dad for many, many years, he said, he used to get up, he'd say, uh, I schedule to have a one pity party a year. And uh, he said, whether I need it or not, he said, I schedule I have it. He said, I used to have one all the time. And he said, I got tired of it. So I figured I'd only just do one a year and be done with it for the rest of the year. But we all get discouraged. Uh, we all get through times. I wonder if it could be said of me. I wonder if it could be said of you. That these are they that have refreshed my spirit. I was going through one of the darkest times in my life in ministry about nine years ago, and a very, very difficult time. I've shared a little bit of some of it with some of you, and um, some of the hurt and the burden that was there. I was driving down the road one day, and I just, I was, I was so uh, at a loss. You ever been there, just where you don't know where to turn? Uh, you reel to and fro. Psalm 107 says, like a drunken man, and are at your wit's end. That's kind of where I was at. Didn't know where to go. Didn't know what to do. And I had gone to the Lord and didn't seem to have any relief there. I was driving down the road one day, and all of a sudden I was just thinking about some things and praying. And the thought, the phrase from Psalm 23 came into my mind. And it was such a blessing. And the phrase was, He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. 
And I got to thinking on that, and I got excited. I thought, you know, it doesn't matter how far down I get and how difficult life may be. God is the kind of God that can restore my soul. Can I tell you this? You and I get the opportunity and the privilege to be an instrument in His hand to help restore or refresh the spirit of somebody that's hurting. We get the great joy to do that. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 John chapter 4 and share one or two thoughts from it. By way of instruction, we'll be done. 1 John chapter number 4. We're going to begin reading down in, um, let's start in verse number 7. The Bible says, Beloved, and he's speaking here, obviously, to those that are Christians. Beloved, let us love one another. Isn't that what the Bible says? Do we love one another? If we saw one of us in need, would we rise to that need? It might just be that they need somebody to text them or make a phone call or write them a note. And say, brother, I'm praying for you. It might just be that they need a hand with something. Maybe they're just burning the candle at both ends and in the middle and just can't seem to get it all done. And maybe they just need somebody to say, you know what, brother, do you need a hand? I can help you. Maybe they just need somebody to come along and share the blessings that God's given to their life to kind of encourage them along the way. But the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another. Now notice what it says here. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. You see that phrase? It doesn't say that God loves us. It says that's part of who He is. It's as much a part of God as His holiness. It's as much a part of God as, of, as His omniscience or His omnipresence. It's as much, as, as much a part of God as His immutability. It's as much a part of God as His justice. It's as much as a part of God as His compassion and His mercy and His grace. God is love. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. I want you to see two things that we're going to be done. Number one, love is selfless. Love is selfless. What do we mean by that? Well, a selfish love is no love at all, is it? If I'm only in a relationship with someone because of what they can do for me, that's not love, is it? I, I, don't, I, I don't love my kids because of what they can do for me. Chances are, chances are the only thing they can really do for me is give me gray hair and an early grave. But I love them. Not for what they can do for me. It's selfless love. You say, where, where, where do you get that kind of love? Well, you get it from God. 
Because I want you to notice what is said here in verse number uh, 10. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And look at this last phrase. And sent his son. He sent his son to be the propitiation for my sin. Can I tell you tonight, love is, number one, not selfish at all. But love is selfless. You say, Brother Greg, I want to addict myself to the ministry of the saints. Then be a selfless person. Be a, be a person that's willing to, to give whatever we have to be a help, encouragement. All that we have is His anyway, isn't it? So we're willing. We look for the needs of others. And as much as God has given us the means to meet that need, we ought to be willing to give it. And then I want you to notice, secondly, that love is not conditional. Love is not conditional. Look what it says here in verse number 10. Here in His love, and I want you to see this phrase. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. God, God didn't give a selfless sacrifice because we loved Him. He gave a selfless sacrifice because He loved us. It was not conditional. He didn't say, I'll give this precious, precious gift that's priceless as long as you love me. He didn't say that. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 8 that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And... We ought, as God's people, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to claim to be little Christs or the Christ ones, if our lives are to be exemplifying what the Lord Jesus Christ is, then can I tell you this tonight? We need to grasp this truth that we are to love one another selflessly and without conditions. It's no respecter of persons. It's unconditional. That's a hard thing to do. It's a simple truth, but it's hard to practice. Because we live in a world where our flesh nature wants to put conditions on our love. We're afraid of getting hurt. We're afraid of losing that which we have. We're not willing to give it all for the cause of Christ. Can I encourage you tonight, testimony is everything. Our testimony, how men perceive us, how God perceives us, is important to the effectiveness of our service. It would be wonderful if it could be said of me, it could be wonderful to be said of you, these are they which have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. These are they that have refreshed my spirit. Why? Because we are selfless in our love and we are unconditional in our love. It's interesting because there were times that even in Christ's earthly ministry, he got angry about some things. He drove the money changers out of the temple. He was constantly at odds with the scribes and the Pharisees the Sadducees. 
But can I tell you this? That Christ loved every one of them. He didn't like what they were doing, but he loved every one of them. You say, how do you know that? Because God loved, so loved the world, the Bible says. He so loved the world. If you read down further, I already closed my Bible, but let's look at it a little bit further in John chapter number 4. Because I want you to see this. If anybody ever comes to you and tries to say that God only chose to save certain people or only loved certain people, I want you to see this in verse number 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. Uh, verse, let's go down to verse number 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because feareth uh, torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth love his brother. Uh, and I have lost the verse. I apologize. But even here in 1 John, if you'll take the time to read it, there's four chapters. It's not that difficult to read all of it, and I should have written the verse down. I apologize. He reiterates the fact that he came because he loved every man. He loved everyone. And God is not a respecter of persons. His love is unconditional. Let me encourage you in that tonight. Can I do that? I'm thankful our church doesn't have a problem with bickering and strife in the church. I'm so grateful for that. Boy, you don't know how grateful I am. A lot of churches go through that. But could we, could we get to the point where we say, Lord, I want to have a selfless love, and I want to have a love that's unconditional. I want to be able to have a testimony of addicting myself to the ministry of the saints, to find the needs in their life, and do everything I can to meet it. I took that sign down off the ice machine down in Florida. Put another sign up. And it said, lack of planning on your part means that I'll do everything in my power to help you fix the problem. He said, Brother Greg, that's, that's enabling. No, no, that's finding a need. And it's meeting a need. Selfless love. Unconditional love. Let me encourage you in that tonight. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for your word. How it teaches, how it instructs us along the way. Lord, I understand that there are certain things, actions that people do that we cannot be in agreement with. There are certain things that certainly we hate as far as the sin. But Father, may we love people. May we love them unconditionally. May we do all in our power to share the gospel with them if they are lost. When it comes to brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you'd help us to have this kind of love one for another, that we would addict ourselves to the ministry of the saints, that we would be looking for opportunities to refresh the spirit of someone who's hurting. Lord, just this week in our prayer time, we've mentioned several families that are hurting, other requests that were taken where people are hurting, unspoken requests, we don't even know all of them, where people are hurting. Lord, may we do all that we can to refresh their spirit. Dismiss us with your blessings. Lord, we pray that you'll bless the time of fellowship afterwards. Lord, use it to be an encouragement and edifying to one another. We pray in Jesus' name.